This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, August 9th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Mountain Village approves pricing for Meadowlark housing. County drafts first ever code of ethics. Barbie Mania hits Telluride. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost an integral member of its community this week. Richard Rico Garner Jr. passed away after he was found unresponsive in his home on Monday. He was 76 years old. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Garner was a longtime Telluride resident, known for opening and owning the Last Dollar Saloon. After selling the buck, he could be found at Rico's bar in the Ice House, or walking around town with one of his beloved dogs. Garner is survived by his sister, Diane, his daughter, Alicia, two grandchildren, and his best friend and constant companion, Smudge the Bulldog. The town of Mountain Village has set prices for the new Meadowlark housing development. We have established the following pricing uh, for our units within Meadowlark, ranging from one bedroom, one baths, to three bedroom, three baths. The price per square foot uh, under this particular plan ranges from $524 a square foot to $544 a square foot. The initial price for a one bedroom, one bath would be $395,000, and a three bedroom with a garage would go for $1 million. Uh, $25,000. That is all well below the current price range for the market, uh, which the market is supporting for deed-restricted housing. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser speaking at a special town council meeting this week. The Meadowlark development is a 29-unit for-sale project in the Meadows neighborhood of Mountain Village. While Weiser acknowledges feedback that the pricing for Meadowlark still isn't affordable to all residents, He notes Mountain Village is trying to fill a gap in the housing market. We have a lot of for-rent products that is for lower AMIs, and we have a lot of existing deed-restricted units that are priced at a significantly higher price point. And so we're trying to come in between uh, where those properties are at the moment. And that's been the goal of this project all along. At its meeting on Monday, Mountain Village Town Council approved investing an additional $4.3 million to the project to buy down the cost for purchasers, bringing the cost to that range of $395,287 to $1,025,763. In addition, Mountain Village has already set aside 10 units for five local essential organizations to purchase at full price. Weiser says, as a way to bring down the cost to the town. In consultation with uh, town council, uh, we have gone out to several of our uh, organizations uh, that we deem to be essential throughout the community and asked if they would be interested in paying the actual cost of construction plus a $50,000 priority fee. All five of them expressed interest. Uh, Some of them are still working through actual approval with their board, but uh, we feel fairly confident that we at least have five businesses that will be willing to do that. And that will um, help us uh, pay down our commitment into this project. So in other words, uh, the more that we are able to sell at cost, the lower the overall cost is to the town. Those organizations are Tri-County Health Network, the Med Center, San Miguel Resource Center, the School District, and the Telluride Fire Protection District. 
Outside of those organizations, Mountain Village is using a waterfall approach to allocate points for eligible buyers. Priority will be given first to Town of Mountain Village employees, then essential workers, those who work in Mountain Village, those who work in the Telluride School District, then finally Mountain Village businesses. While it will still be some time before residents buy and move into the Meadowlark development, at the meeting, Mountain Village Mayor Marty Prohaska noted finalizing pricing is an exciting day for the community. We've been talking about this for many, many months, and this is a, this is a big win for the community in that we are finally going to be seeing some new neighbors in a truly wonderful neighborhood. Those interested in purchasing a unit in Meadowlark can fill out an intent-to-buy form at bit.ly slash tmvmeadowlark. The process has been ongoing for a few months now, but San Miguel County is closing in on its first-ever code of ethics for elected officials and employees. Before, the county relied on state ethics guidelines. Now, their very own code addresses issues of confidentiality, conflicts of interest, and sets behavior standards. This week, Assistant County Attorney Rachel Allen worked through input from both county commissioners and the public on a late-stage draft of the new code. Allen begins by clarifying that an employee of the county is a paid staff person or volunteer, while an official, she says, is specifically elected. Um, Official, similarly, a person in elected or appointed position in San Miguel County, including members of county boards, committees, commissions, and panels, Um, which I think really gets to what we were um, trying to do, but just a little bit more commonsensically. In addition to tidying up language so the document is more user-friendly, commissioners pointed out necessary clarifications. For example, commissioners specified that individuals should report a conflict of interest to the county's legal department. Additionally, commissioners and employees are asked not to discuss applications from the public when those applications are quote-unquote forthcoming. Commissioner Ann Brown says the word forthcoming is unclear. At what point, she asks, are commissioners barred from discussing community issues? Our behavior needs to have changed a lot time, a long time before that application is presented, right? Because we know it's it's public knowledge that this application is forthcoming. Commissioner Lance Waring says it has to do with whether or not the application has actually been filed with the county. And for me, that's the hard line. Mm-hmm. If the application is not yet filed, Mm. then it does feel like it's a rumor, it's a possibility, and it's something that can be discussed publicly. As soon as that change is made officially, then my behavior changes. Of course, commissioners don't necessarily know when, down to the exact second, the county receives an application, and when that application goes from possibility to reality. Waring adds they would be wise to err on the side of caution, especially around certain issues. And in my experience, and it's somewhat limited, a rule of thumb is if it's a land use issue, um, that's probably going to go to a public hearing. If it's some kind of change to the land use code, that's another good place to be cautious. Mm -hmm. Late last year, a judge overruled a land use rezoning decision made by the county commissioners at the Diamond Ridge parcel. The judge found, in part, one of the commissioners had a conflict of interest stemming from discussions of the parcel's rezoning. 
and should have recused herself. Commissioners have expressed disagreement with the judge's finding. The county's push to pass a code of ethics takes place in the aftermath of that ruling. Discussion and potentially passage of a final draft will take place next month. Public comment on the code remains open either at a meeting or by emailing bocc at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. In the windows of the Nugget Theater, a larger-than-life Margot Robbie smiles down at passersby. Since July 28th, Telluride moviegoers adorned in pink have flooded to showings of Barbie. KOTO's Grace Richards talked with Jameson Ritter, manager of the Nugget Theater, about the Nugget's many nights of sold-out shows. My name is Jameson Ritter. I'm the manager of the Nugget Theater, and I've been with the Telluride Film Festival and the Nugget Theater for two years now. Can you tell me about this run of Barbie? What has this been like for you? It's been really great to see people just coming back to the theater in just hordes and huge numbers of people just decked out in pink and, and really you know, glamming themselves up to have a fun night out with all their friends and then also enjoy a piece of a piece of media, a piece of art, a piece of culture that has a lot to say, but also has a really good time doing so. And the number of second, third time repeat viewers we've had is something I've not seen since been at the Nuggets. So it's been great to see people just excited to not only come for one show, but come back for more and share it with all their friends. Whoa, I didn't realize people were coming two, three times. That's amazing. It appeals to those that are five years old, 15 years old, 30 years old and beyond. You know, There's so many complex layers to this film. What was the craziest outfit you saw? We had, uh, I think one night we had three, what I would call rodeo Barbies that came in with their pink cowgirl boots and um, you know, pink head to toe, pink cowgirl hats as well. The, you know, the Barbie slumber party was always like a big thing in, in like the Barbie culture. And we've had, I think, you know, four or five different groups just, you know, fully decked out in their favorite pink pajamas and Aww. blankets and things like that to come for a slumber party. It's been great just to see people really taking an interest and wanting to not just, you know, watch a movie, but be involved in the movie and, and, and take away a little bit more from the movie going experience than just you know, a large bag of popcorn. And what were people's reactions like when they came out of the theater? The Barbie reactions have been astounding. Everybody has been really positive, really excited, and I think really surprised more more than anything. Just admiring what the creative team and the artists were able to do in bringing this movie to life. And what parts of this movie do you think make it so resonant with all different types of audiences? This is a movie that kind of resets things and says, hey, this is what, you know, stories can be and what films can be if you really let artists create and be creative. And you look at the production design and the set design, it's all things that are practical. There's very little computer-generated imagery or any CGI graphics. It's all very tactile and, and hands-on and bright and pink and you can tell that somebody made it and built it and it's just so it has a feeling of a different movie than we've seen before. Can I ask how did Barbie's box office sales compare to say Top Gun Maverick which was a big one last summer right? Yeah Top Gun Maverick was a huge success we had Top Gun Maverick for three weeks and in less than two weeks of having Barbie here we've already surpassed the total number of attendees um, from Top Gun so over 2300 people have had the pleasure of experiencing Barbie and hopefully we can you know squeeze a few more in there before our run is through on Thursday but, um, but yeah it's been a big numbers for the Nugget. And what is next for the Nugget? We are thrilled to announce that the uh, 
Barbenheimer <laughs> um, pop culture craze will continue at The Nugget. We have Oppenheimer starting this Friday. The Nugget is this institution of Telluride. What do you think makes it different to go to the movies than just stream something? You know, I, I was able to experience that firsthand with the Barbie movie. I, you know, there's a scene towards the end that is, of you know, one of the characters gives a really impactful speech that in every screen that I've been in, people have just been in tears while watching. It's been a really powerful, moving experience. And a couple of nights ago, I watched while there were several Kens in the audience that happened to be, you know, just scrolling on YouTube or TikTok, not paying attention. And I was realizing they were scrolling and not getting anything, not taking anything away from that scrolling experience. Meanwhile, the other 150 people that were in the theater that were paying attention to the film were crying and in tears and taking something like very emotional and very deep away from the cinematic experience. And I think that's what this movie does. And that's what going to the movies can do. The cinema is trying to give you something and let you walk away leaving fulfilled, leaving leaving inquisitive, leaving questioning things, leaving excited about something. Movies make you just feel so much if you're willing to give yourself over to them and appreciate it. And I think that's what we try to do with The Nugget is give you a space to turn your cell phones off and enjoy really masterful pieces of artwork up on the silver screen. At birth, 9 out of 10 Colorado families choose to breastfeed their babies. That's great news. The CDC recommends breastfeeding for at least the first six months of a baby's life, as breast milk provides optimal infant nutrition and can lead to better health outcomes later in life. But by the baby's first birthday, only 47% of Colorado families remain breastfeeding, which falls short of public health targets and indicates the challenges associated with breastfeeding over a long period as mothers return to work and other demands. This week is World Breastfeeding Week, and San Miguel County is raising awareness about breastfeeding throughout the month with a special focus on supporting working parents. Organizations and government programs across the state are available to make breastfeeding more manageable, including free counseling, breast pumps, and information. For more info, visit coloradowic.com. There are gardeners, and then there are master gardeners. So-called masters have completed a course to understand the unique soils, plants, and climate regions of our state, and also have overseen a service project in their region to promote native plants, empower budding gardeners, and otherwise fertilize garden culture. You too could become a master gardener. Applications are available now at coloradomastergardener.org and are open through early September. The statewide course is run through regional extension offices and in our area will address these specific concerns of the San Miguel Basin. A state audit released this week found one in five Colorado dispensaries hasn't had an inspection in the last five years. State regulators are required to conduct targeted investigations based on a dispensary's risk level for violations. They also have to test whether a dispensary is selling to minors. The audit confirmed regulators didn't conduct any underage compliance checks between April of 2020 and February of 2021. It also found inconsistent disciplinary practices for dispensaries that did violate the law. Many avoided penalties altogether. 
Monday was the deadline to submit ballot measures for November's election. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports Coloradans will vote on two initiatives this year. One of the measures, Proposition HH, is a response to spiking property taxes fueled by rising property values. It would reduce property valuation rates and allow property owners to exempt part of their property's value from taxation. It would also make up for the loss in tax revenue by reducing the money available for refunds under the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR. Prop HH sponsor, Senate President Steve Fenberg, says it's designed to provide relief for both residential and commercial property owners. But it does it in a way that doesn't hurt our schools and services that rely on property tax revenue. The other measure on this year's ballot is called Proposition II. If approved, Prop II would allow the state to retain excess tax revenue from tobacco and nicotine products. That would then be used to expand access to the state's free preschool program. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. An arts community on Colorado's western slope banded together recently to save a high school performance. When the education coordinators for Theater Aspen were faced with a dilemma for their production of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, they turned to the Arts Collective for help. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KDNK's Haddison Rensberry has more. Vanessa Strawn, the director of secondary education for Theater Aspen, describes the problems the production was facing in detail. There's the immediate story, and then there's sort of the longer-term story of the construction in Aspen School District. Because of that construction, we've been at the Colorado Mountain College campus, but we were supposed to be able to move into the black box at Aspen High School originally and had got delayed to the 24th, and we've known that for a little while, but then got some communication from them that there had been something really unexpected in their replacement of some sort of mechanism that they weren't anticipating. So it was sort of a sudden scramble for a place for the kids to perform. But for performance space, we were really in a bind um, because there's a lot of restrictions on where you can really be for a theatrical performance to have all the tech elements that you need to make happen, to fit in the audience members, to have the space for the kids to perform on stage. So we sort of sent out an all-call to, to the Valley Arts Organization. It's been so incredibly heartwarming and touching to see how quickly and enthusiastically everyone responded about doing everything they could to help us find an alternate space. The Salt Middle School was super generous in quickly offering us the use of their auditorium space, which obviously would have, in terms of facility, been a fantastic second option just in terms of location or it certainly would have been a little bit tougher logistically like I said just so appreciative of like how quickly everyone came together and all of the work folks put into trying to find a backup option for the kids and that Aspen High School and, and the construction team there put into trying to get things back as much on track as they could as quickly as they possibly could. Strawn then reflected on the attitude she wants to continue to foster within her students and her program's relationships with other local arts organizations. Sure, there's a place in the world for competition and sport, but in the arts or when it comes to community, that, you know, our eyes should really always be towards collaboration, community, and supporting one another. It's a reminder that, that in theater and, and in life, you got to expect the unexpected. And I think it's just another reminder for us of how lucky we are to be part of this community and how much we want to, you know, give that energy back to everyone else as much as they gave it to us. 
Like the help offered, the teens come from several towns along Highway 82. I'll let them introduce themselves and their characters. I'm Catherine and I play Rona. My name's Daisy and I play Speller Number One and Olive's mom. I'm Eliza and I'm playing Mitch Mahoney, the comfort counselor. Iggy, I'm playing Leaf Coney Bale. The young performers detailed how problematic a full location change would have been for their creative and technical teams. It does cause a lot of problems for not just the actors, it's like a lot more for the tech people that have to fix the lights, the mics, all of the stuff that involves everything in there. With our amazing cast and our amazing team, I know it's gonna, we're gonna be fine. It's, it's a big impact on you know, all the tech, so just have to adapt, it's yeah. life. <laughs> It's going to be a whole thing. I mean, we already got delayed one week to be here, and mm. happy that we finally get to be. Program coordinators took measures to not share the details of the issue with the students before they had a surefire plan, but the teens had this to say. I think that's really amazing, and it shows how much our community not only cares about the arts, but how tight-knit our community is. How I think it's really amazing how people are ready to help everybody and um, make this show possible. And I'm very thankful that we're able to do it in the black box, but I'm also very thankful for everybody who offered up a space. It's, it's pretty lovely. The whole community that we have here in the Valley is like very welcoming, it's very great. I moved here about two years ago, and I already feel so much at home here. With all of their worries now by the wayside, the teens and instructors can get back to their show preparations for opening night on Friday, each excited for the audience to experience their favorite part. I feel like just like doing another one for me because like I thought my last show was my last show and I'm here I am doing another one and I'm just so happy to be doing another one. It's very exciting. Just, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> it's a really fun show, and I think I'm really excited for the audience participation, I think, is really important. We have, like, two audience members who get to sit on stage with the actors, and I think it's just, it's so much fun. And I feel like the show isn't what most people would expect, because it's very different from other shows Theater Aspen has done and other shows that I've done. Uh, I have like my own song in this number. I've never had like a personal song, so that I think that's gonna be pretty fun. Really though, I just enjoy getting to watch everyone do their thing. For KDNK News, I'm Hadison Rinsbury. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low near 45 and a slight chance of showers late. Thursday brings a high near 75 degrees and a chance of rain in the morning with thunderstorms developing in the afternoon. A 50% chance of rain will linger overnight on Thursday with a forecast low near 45 degrees. A 70% chance of rain returns on Friday with some periods of sun and a high near 75. This has been the news for Wednesday, August 9th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.